Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, October 3rd, 2021, and what an exciting time we are in as a church body. Yes. Last Sunday, in case you missed it or in case you forgot, was our first <laughs> team ordination. I mean, three men getting ordained into the pastorate at the same time, and we're so proud to have these men, Nick and Judah and Peyton, join us as pastors in this church right now, right here, functioning to carry the weight of ministry for the entire group of people. The pastors and elders all agree that God is increasing our unity as a church. Can you also agree with that? God is increasing our leadership as a church, and he's also increasing our effectiveness in ministry as a church. We've been talking about it amongst ourselves as uh, we can all feel the increase in the weight of responsibility, kind of that constant pressure that's always been there, but we feel like the Lord is even increasing the weight, so he's increasing the leaders in the church to help carry the weight. It's amazing. Our hope and goal is that we all reach unity in the faith and have fulfilled our God-ordained purpose to change one life, one family, and one nation at a time. To do so, there is a request that we're going to make of our king to accomplish this international, global, eternal vision. Everybody with me, turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Luke 10 verse 2, and we're going to read it together. Come on now. It says this. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See, our leadership team is growing because you're growing, LCM. And we are all gifts to each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I am so thankful for this gift. I'm so thankful for this gift. See, if any of you guys had game and that was your wife that you just turned to, you should have planted a kiss right there. That's what you should have done. We are all gifts to each other in order to prepare us all for the work in God's harvest field. The men who have joined us, they've joined in carrying the weight of ministry. And they're going to make us stronger so that we can all carry the weighty tasks that God has assigned to this body. Y'all ready to carry some weight together? Come on. You know, Pastor, there exists a deeply rooted worldly pattern. Tell me about it, Pastor. It's at war with our God-ordained purpose. Oh, yeah. This worldly pattern is embedded in the hearts of men. And unfortunately, it's embedded much deeper in some of the self-help books found in the average Christian bookstore. We want to know more. We're talking about books here. We're talking about articles. We're even talking about YouTube videos of what leadership is supposed to look like, right? Supposed to. Everyone wants to know how to become a better leader. Yeah. How to build themselves up in a way. Oh. That they can carry the weight of leadership alone with their own abilities. Oh. How to position themselves above everyone else in a role of leadership. For the sake of serving and helping others, of course. Of course. Only only to serve and help those around me. Yes. Noble. And surely not because they just don't want to be little man on the totem pole. No, can't be that. Or to be seen as they actually are, which is small. (laughs) Very small. (laughs) 
This worldly pattern sets up a single individual that is supposed to know it all, that's supposed to be able to do it all, and that is supposed to be able to carry it all. In light of this, we found some great quotes that we would like to share with you guys. Yes, we did. Because we want to illustrate this very concept. The first quote that we found, loneliness is a required course for leadership. Oh, but it gets better. (laughs) Nothing can bring you peace and leadership but yourself. That's because it's everybody else's fault. That's exactly right. How about this one? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. That's an actual adaptation to a Shakespearean quote, which is why I had that accent. The whole point is the reason it's so heavy is because you are the only one that has given yourself permission to wear it. But we have one more. One more leadership quote. I mean, deep thoughts. It is so worthy of uttering that we put it on a slide to memorialize yeah. Pena's, it. we want you to listen up to this. Here we go. Leadership is the other side of the coin of loneliness. And he who is a leader must always act alone. This is an actual quote by Ferdinand Marcos, president of Philippines that was ousted because of corruption. How about that? But like I said, even this one continues to get better. Look what it says. And acting alone, accept everything alone. They believe in this so much that the cherry on top of this quote is still yet to the far right of it. Number of votes. One. Just one. His mom, his dad didn't even choose to vote for this quote. He gave it himself. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we, we were just, we found the quote and just, you know, rolled on the floor laughing and then God opened our eyes and we saw votes one. <laughs> I vote for me. Lonely. As obvious of a fallacy as this may be, and even comical, we have to be very careful to evaluate our own hearts at church. Be very careful to evaluate even our own motives through the very scripture that God has given us. We need to make sure that our lives properly reflect the biblical pattern of leadership that God has always intended for us to rightly operate as a team. Through the scriptures and our spirit-filled brotherhood, we will have the ability to detect any deviation from God's standard on how to carry the weight of doing his will, letting his word speak to us directly and bringing up this very phrase. Hey, you're not carrying that right. In fact, that's the title of today's sermon. Hey, you're not carrying that right. So let's turn now to numbers chapter one. And as you turn, say, Hey, you're not carrying that right. (laughs) In Numbers chapter 1, in verse 50, it says this. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant law. Over all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle. Say that with me. Carry Carry the the tabernacle tabernacle and all its furnishings. They are to take care of it. Say that with me. Take Take care care of it. 
and they are to encamp around it. Say encamp with me. Encamp. See, Moses is giving instructions and he's assigning the role of leadership to the Levite. I mean, to the Levites. Levites. Levites, Levites. Levites. right. The whole group. They are given the heavenly responsibility for everything that is associated with the tabernacle of the covenant law, the tabernacle of the edut. This responsibility begins with carrying the tabernacle and all its furnishings. Now think about this just for a minute. Let's, let's read this and let's let the word engage with us as we're engaging with this. What would it be like to be responsible for carrying God's very presence on earth? What would that entail? That every base and every blossom of a menorah. Yeah. That every pole, that every covering, that every item included in the holy place. You know when you're praying through the tabernacle every day? And you're just walking through it in your mind and in your heart with your spouse. And you're praying. Every item that you are passing, everything had to be carried by the Levites. See, including the very ark of God. And it was the responsibility of your tribe. This divine appointment required a tribe of men acting in teams of men. To rightly carry the weight of the Lord of all men. See, in addition, they were to take care of it. Everybody say take care. Take care. That's one thing to say, take care as someone is leaving out the door. Take care. It's another thing to actually be responsible for ministering unto the Lord this way. They were to make their lives. The Levites were to dedicate themselves to the serving, to the ministering, to attending to the house of the Lord and the tasks that were associated with it. Lastly, their charge was to encamp around the house of the Lord. Oh, yeah. And that should encourage us as a church to realize that the Lord is helping us to operate as Levites. How many people have moved, say, in the last six months in this church? Could you raise your hand? Yeah. Many, many households, and my hand is raised as well. There's many, many households, and what has the Lord been doing? He's been moving so that we're encamping closer together. That's what the Levites had to do. They had to pitch their tents right around the very presence of God. By the way. Speaking of pitching the tents, do you know that the word for encamp in Hebrew, this is, this is, you can actually look this up. The word for encamp in Hebrew is Hana. Hana. I don't know why, pastor, there was an association between Hana and pitching tents. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there seems to be a similarity between that and what Natalie is doing for Sudley to help him pitch his tent as well. That's right. <laughs> uh, lastly, <laughs> their charge was to encamp around the house of the Lord with God's presence as their primary responsibility, their central point of focus of absolutely everything that they did. See, this is what the Levites were responsible for, and it's what the Lord is doing here in this place as well. Pastor, as you were talking about the weight that the Levites themselves had to carry, I couldn't help but notice the mention of the Ark of the Testimony. Yes. This item, along with the other items in the holy place, were to be uniquely carried on the shoulders of men, not on ox and cart. Turn with us to Exodus 37, and we're going to start in verse 1. Bezalel... Bezalel, 
yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Made the ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. He overlaid it with pure gold, both inside and out, and made a gold molding around it. He cast four gold rings for it and fastened them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then he made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. And he inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. From this passage, we can learn several things about the ark of God and the method of carrying it. Firstly, it was made of acacia wood. It was overlaid with pure gold, both inside and out. Yes. From this, we can learn that what the Levites were tasked with carrying and taking care of was indeed something that was precious. Secondly, there were specifically four rings fastened to the four feet on the ark and multiple poles that went through these rings. From these facts, we can learn that carrying the ark was not something that one Levite could accomplish all by himself. No. The God-ordained instructions for the ark, the representation of his presence on the earth, were designed by him to be carried out by a team. Yeah. That team was to work together, put the ark of God on their shoulders, not try to load it up on a cart and have oxen pull it, or heaven forbid, try to carry it all by themselves. Look, guys, I'm sure that for Bezalel, for Aholiab, for the Levites, it was a great honor to be this close to the ark of the presence of God. They had a personal responsibility for carrying it, for its care, and for encamping around it. But God's heavenly design for the ark was yes. meant to instruct the Levites, and it took more than just one or two of them to carry it. Come on, man. Oh, man. Isn't it good that God lays out a clear pattern of what he expects? Yeah. How many rings were on that ark? Four. Four golden rings. That's like the pop culture saying of wisdom. If you like it, then once you put a ring on it. Four golden rings on it. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and everyone say carry as you're turning. Carry. Deuteronomy 1, we'll start with verse 8. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. At that time, I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. Everybody say alone. Alone. The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself. All by myself. Exactly. In this passage, do you hear the repeated nature in which Moses is declaring he cannot do this all by himself? Yes. Well, it starts with God reminding Moses and the people of their God-ordained purpose to go in and take possession of the land. 
getting ever closer to the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Abraham. Moses' response to the people when facing the weightiness of carrying out the will of God is that they are too heavy of a burden for him to carry alone. They were designed to be carried by God, but they were not designed to be carried by an individual. God's intention the entire time was that this task was only to be accomplished as a God-ordained team to carry them. Moses, though, he needed the burden to increase on his shoulders so that his eyes would open to this truth and he would respond to God with a declaration that he couldn't do it alone. Amen. The Lord is faithful. He's faithful to discipline the sons that he loves. And he's also faithful in that discipline to increase the weight on your shoulders so that it increases your awareness of your need for others to join you in what God has ordained for you to carry. When this happens, you are now beginning to catch up to see what God is aiming at the whole time. That you cannot carry this weight alone. Either the lives of men, women, and children, or the very ark of the testimony. Come on, that is a good word for us today. That the increase of weight on your shoulders is to increase your awareness of the need for others. See, you've been in yes. church long enough, you know that you're not supposed to put the presence of God on a cart. Right. But you know what my response has often been? Fine, then everybody just move away and I'll just grab it and try to lift it all by myself. Muscle it. At least that's just me. No. But see, the Lord is helping us and he increases weight in our lives so that we can see the need, that we can understand the need. It's almost like what God had Adam do in the garden and name all of the other creatures and go. saw that they were in pairs, in teams, and made him realize that there was a need in his life that he didn't know that he had. Yeah. Let's yeah. turn to Matthew chapter 11 and I'm going to read to you verse 30 and it's very familiar. It says this. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come on. Profound verse, right? Yes. yes. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When we are carrying our assignment according to God's original design, as in in teams, the yoke is easy, and the burden is light. What does that mean for us every time you are feeling overwhelmed? Mm. What does that mean every time that you are feeling heavy, burdened, weighed down, knocked down to your knees because of the weight that is on your shoulders? I'm doing it wrong. Hey, you're not carrying that right. It means that God is trying to increase your awareness. Yes. He's trying to give you a lesson. He's trying to get your attention and say, hey, you're not carrying that right. You cannot walk around feeling burdened with your head down because there's something about how you're carrying your responsibilities that God is getting at and he's teaching you a lesson from it. Yeah. He's trying to teach you that no one is designed to carry the weight alone. Amen. I can remember a time, pastors, when God was illustrating this point to me. I was under immense pressure. I mean, I had... Things happening in my body. My heart was palpitating. I'd, I'd get dizzy in the middle of the day as I was sitting down. 
My body was responding to the pressure that I was feeling. And I remember the Lord began to speak to me. And this is what I got a picture of being in a weight room, Adam. And that the picture was is that I had been only lifting light loads. And so I didn't have to have perfect form of how I wanted to do it because I could just pick it up. God was increasing the weight on my life and it was showing how bad my form was. Wow. How injuries were ensuing and I never could figure out why the injuries were there, but I was doing it to myself. See, because the Lord was speaking to me at that time in my life and he said, hey, you're not carrying this right the weight that was being added, you know what it was for? It was to help to correct me in this. Amen. Help me to get back to God's original design that I needed other brothers around me to Amen. do this. That my natural, and I do mean natural as in unspiritual, as in demonic, my own natural response was to just try harder and get everybody else out of the way so I can pick it up. What a wicked thought. And God was helping me because I was carrying it wrongly. Those days in my life, guys, acted as the catalyst that eventually led me to LCM. Come Praise on. God. Amen. Those were the days that I started going, I can't do this. This is not sustainable the way that I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm not strong enough, but what I'm learning is no one's strong enough because God's design is that we carry it and that we carry it together. Everybody say together. Amen. Now, speaking about carrying that yoke, speaking about carrying the Ark of the Covenant, Timo, we want you to come up here. We're going to have a little sermon example this morning. When you come, bring your chair with you. Timo is going to be Timo the Ark for us this morning. Now, the Ark, by conservative measurements, weighs somewhere around 183 pounds, very conservatively. Timo is going to be our ark this morning because he weighs about 183 pounds. That's about what mahogany weighs. <laughs> now, to put this in practical terms, the ark was about the same weight as a washing machine. Now, LCM, we love to move around in this place. We love to help our <laughs> brothers and sisters move. We're moving all the time, man. So I know that most of you guys in this room have moved a washing machine before. And you know how heavy that thing can be. Yes. Can it be carried alone, burdened all by yourself? Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe some of us can do it. But the question isn't, can it be carried alone? The question is, how is it designed to be carried? That's the right question. Okay. So, Rob, we're going to pick you and come up here, Rob. <laughs> Just bring yourself. Yeah, you don't need Rob. your chair. Yeah. All right, Rob, we want you to pick up this chair with Timo in it and see how far you can get with this arc. Come on, Rob. Whoa, whoa. Oh, come on. Hey, now, Rob, I, I, don't, think, I don't think you're carrying that right, though. Uh, I, hey. Okay, Spencer, come on up and help a brother yeah. out. Oh, yeah. All right, you guys got to get your form right. Get your positioning right here. <laughs> we don't have the budget to buy you a new dress shirt, so be careful. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. Can you carry it over there a couple of feet for us? All right. Timo the Ark is coming along. You know, even right though you, you're good. Hold even right though you guys are getting somewhere. Hey guys, I I don't think that you're carrying that quite right yet. Uh, imagine if these two had to go to Galveston with Timo the Ark, right? Here we go. Just head down Highway 6. <laughs> we might be able to get a couple feet, maybe a couple miles if we try hard enough, but what about going to Galveston with Timo the Ark? Hayes, we're going to need some help, brother. Juan, can you come up here and give us a hand, yeah! brother? Yeah, let's, let's just reset. <laughs> We're going to restart right here. Okay, guys, get, get your particular ring, get your particular leg, your corner. Oh, come on there now. There we go. Yeah. I think we're beginning to get this right, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys can go back to your seats now. Come on, give him a hand. <laughs> now, with these four men, we all know that these are some of the strongest men at LCM in this church, right? We know that any one of them can carry Timo the Ark around a little bit by themselves. That's right. But for each of them, their individual strength will always eventually give out. They will likely injure themselves, and they will ultimately fail the task. Yes. So you might be thinking to yourself, though, yeah, but not if they were stronger. Right. If any one of them were stronger... They could definitely do it by themselves. Go right? work out more. Then you can carry it. Go get with Adam and learn. I'm so glad that you guys mentioned that this morning. Let's turn together to Judges chapter 16, and we can begin to have our eyes opened a little bit more this morning. Yeah. Come on. Judges 16, verse 19. We are in a setting here with Samson in the lap of Delilah. This Whoa. is where we're starting. Whoa. Whew. Wow. You guys Here get ready for this. Having put him to sleep on her lap, verse 19, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. Whoa. And his strength left him. We're talking about the strongest man who ever lived here, and yet he still was not strong enough by himself. Whoa. Our own strengths left alone and unguarded, often put us to sleep and leave us vulnerable, all without us even knowing that we've already been subdued. Look at verse 20. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. Shame. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Wow. I'll go out by myself. Yep. I'll face these enemies as I always have by myself. And I'll win like I always have wow. by myself. Well, at least Delilah was there to tell him, hey, Samson, 
you're not carrying that right, dude. Nah, she no. didn't do that for him, did no. she? No. Listen to me, church. The truth is, is that even if you have experienced victories by your own right arm in the past, and I know that we all have, even if you've been able to carry the ark by yourself for a short time, this is what the method always eventually results in, defeat. In verse 19, you see that his strength had left him. In verse 20, you see that the Lord himself had left him. And in neither case was he able to recognize it because he was working by himself. Pastor, before you go on and catch verse 21, I just want to make sure that we're getting that. Samson was looking at his own experiences versus the design of God. He was saying that I seem to have been victorious in these other ways, and it put him to sleep where his strength left him and his God left him because he was not doing it according to the design. We have to make sure that we don't trust in our own thought processes. Ah, pastor, I hear you talking about team. I mean, you guys are bringing it up, I see, but the truth is, is I've been just fine without a team. The way that God has designed it is you and I can only succeed in teams. The inevitable result of that kind of thinking, unless you're in teams, is defeat. You will lose your strength and you will lose the closeness of God's presence in your life, no matter what you're thinking about the current moment. You know, having his head in the lap of Delilah was a, a vulnerable position to be in, disclosing the secret. But the greater vulnerability was operating his own strength all the time before that moment. Now, because of Samson's individualistic thinking, verse 21 is going to hurt a little bit. But verse 21 is also amazing because his God is going to help open up his eyes to see what he needed from the beginning. Amen. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison? That's not a good experience. No. Nope. Look, guys, it was only at the point where Samson's eyes were gouged out that he actually began to see his need for a team for the first time. In the next verses, he's actually asking another man for help to be able to put his hands on the pillars so that he can complete the task. You actually see him praying to God for his strength instead of simply shaking himself to get free. Yeah. Samson was the strongest man to ever live, yet he could not carry the weight of God's will without a team. Our message this morning is designed for your eyes to be opened, to realize that you cannot be successful in carrying the ark of God by yourself. Ooh. It was always designed with multiple rings meant for multiple people. Amen. It is not more of your own strength that is needed. So, Pastor Matt... Maybe what we need is more wisdom. Maybe we do. Oh, let's take a look in 1 Kings chapter 11. As you're turning, say, hey, you're not carrying that right. 1 Kings 11 and verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, 
and you have not kept my covenant, my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. 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 Solomon began in a place of humility and dependency on the Lord in his kingship. He depended on the words of the father, of his father, and the many advisors that were in his kingdom. It is clear, however, that the unparalleled wisdom that Solomon was gifted with became an actual snare of his own strength. So much so that no one in his court ever told him, hey, you're not carrying that right. They, like us so many times, were awestruck at the steady source of wisdom that they did not notice Solomon was carrying it all on his own while forsaking the very commands of God. Where was the priest? Where was the prophet that would stand up and rebuke Solomon, demonstrating a loyalty to God that showed up in a covenant loyalty to Solomon? This is why it says at the end of verse 11 that this was to be torn from his hands and given to one of his subordinates. This proves that he had no team, no equals, and was carrying it by himself, even though he had all the wisdom in the world for the world. What we should learn for ourselves is that your wisdom into others' lives does not exempt you from needing to ask the Lord for others to help you carry his kingdom. Let me read that one more time. Your wisdom into others' lives does not exempt you from needing to ask the Lord for others to help you carry his kingdom. We can learn from this. Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. Yet he could not carry the weight of God's kingdom without a team with him. Okay, okay, okay. I'm getting it now. I'm, I'm getting it. You pastors, are, uh, I'm learning from, from you here. Tell us. I mean, I understand that we can't depend on our strength like Samson. Uh, right? Our own wisdom. All the wisdom in the world isn't enough for us to do it by no. ourselves. And Solomon proves that out. Yeah. Right. But I just got to let everybody know, I'm just a passionate person. Yes, oh, you are. Yeah, I mean, are. I, I feel it down on the inside. Oh, on I feel the presence of the Lord. And I just, I've learned to just go with it. Yeah. See, I mean, it's like the zeal for the Lord. Oh, it, come on it's now. the fuel that fuels my burn. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's Woo. what we need is more passion to be able to carry it. <laughs> How about we go to 1 Kings 19? If the answer isn't more strength and more wisdom, it's got to be that I just try harder and have more zeal. More zeal. Woo! Is that okay, Paul? Woo! There you go. Verse 14 says this. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Very zealous. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left because one is the loneliest number. (laughs) And now they're trying to kill me too. I mean, that's what we learned at the beginning from those quotes is he who is a leader must always act alone. So says Fernando Marcus and Elijah the prophet here. I mean, after all, leadership is just the other side of the coin of loneliness. (laughs) Elijah needed someone to tell him, hey, you're not carrying that right. 
His zeal for the Lord allowed victory over 850 demonic prophets. That is so true. But even the victory over 850 prophets could not help him defeat the despair and the hopelessness of operating alone. Whoa. See, when he was operating outside of the design of God to have a team that helped him carry, not even Elijah, not even that mighty man could carry and stand up under the weight by himself. True. But the Lord is about to open Elijah's eyes to this very fact in verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Listen to that description of that team, of their assignments and how they need to work together. Yet I reserve 7,000. Everybody say 7,000. 7,000. In Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the Lord telling Elijah to get back to the original design and focus on team. See, instead of focusing on Elijah's own great zeal, God tells Elijah to focus his gaze on three men who will carry out God's word and God's will of putting an end to the enemies of God and his people. Go anoint Hazael. Go anoint Jehu. Go anoint Elisha. These three men have divine purpose that was intertwined with each other. Whoever Hazael doesn't get, Jehu's going to get. Whoever those two guys don't get, Elisha's going to take care of. See, better still, even better than that, then God sent him and said, you're going to find your own ministry partner. I'm going to divinely direct you to be able to find your ministry partner. Yes, you will. Hey, this is not us saying go find anybody because anybody will do in your team. (laughs) That'd be like saying just go marry anybody you like because I'm sure they're all about the same. Hey, you're carrying that wrong. God has divine purpose. And if it's his design, then he will help you to accomplish it. Amen. Brent Vincent should be able to tell you that because we are looking at Gary Guzman. And he is here because God, God put them together. Amen. Come on now, church. This need is something that we've got to be praying for, but we've also got to have a little hope and a little faith for, because it's not, you are not the only one left. Come on. As a matter of fact, even more than anointing three men to take care of a mission, even more than just anointing his ministry partner, God tells Elijah and says, I got 7,000. You are not the only one. There is a purpose that he's working inside of us. Elijah, the most zealous man who ever lived, anointed beyond belief, could not carry God's presence alone. Wow. He, even he, had to operate in God's design of a team. He did. Man, let me get this straight now. Get it. We saw that the strongest man to ever live, he couldn't do it without a team. Because the team is God's design to carry his presence. We saw that the wisest man ever to live. He couldn't do it without a team because the team was God's design to carry his presence. And we saw that the most zealous man who ever lived, he couldn't do it without a team 
because the team was God's design to carry his presence. Listen to what this actually means for us. It means that no amount of individual gifting can enable us to lift the weight alone. Come on. Come on, that's great that's news. Great. No amount of individual gifting can do it. It is the very gift of our brothers and them to us and us to them that gives us the strength to carry it and to carry it together. Amen. That's the design. We want you guys to consider the great apostle Paul for a moment. The great apostle who wrote the most books in the Bible, okay? This guy was talented. He was anointed. Surely he could carry the weight all by himself, right? Consider the amount of revelation that he possessed, though. We've got a slide for you this morning. It's, it's entitled, Writings Accredited to the Apostle Paul. We're hoping that this revelation will strike you like it struck us yesterday. Here are the 13 books of the Newer, Newer Testament that are accredited to Paul himself. You can see Romans. If you just read the first verse of Romans, it looks like just Paul wrote it. We're going to get back to that. First and second Corinthians, Paul and Sosthenes wrote that book together. Second Corinthians, Paul and Timothy wrote that book together. Now tell me that you have thought about this before. Galatians, Paul and just all the other brothers that were all with him at the, the time wrote the book that was delivered to the Galatian church. Yeah. They wrote it together, guys. We're going to get back to Ephesians. Philippians and Colossians were written by a team, Paul and, and Timothy, Timothy writing together. First yes. and second Thessalonians were written by a team of three, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, what about first and second Timothy and Titus? Well, Paul clearly wrote these, but he was writing two sons in the faith, and the main themes of those three books were how those sons were to work together in the body of Christ with elders, leadership, and other congregants. Yes. That was the point of those three books. Lastly, Philemon was written by Paul and Timothy. Romans 1.1, we're going to start reading and we're going to get some insight into the writing of Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son. Who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Check out verse 5. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship. He's writing from a group to another group to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also, you Romans, are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse 5 we have, we receive grace and apostleship. And that you, the Romans, also are among those who are called. Paul is writing with a group from the perspective of the group. And the group was those who had received grace and apostleship. 
This same type of group, group language is also used throughout the book of Ephesians as well. Have you guys read Ephesians 1 with us and said, us, we, us, we, and you also. The same group language is present in Ephesians. This illustrates clearly that Paul is continually seeking to carry the weight of apostleship and ministry as a team. Look, if you don't believe us, this is, this is an easy task. Sometimes how we find this information seems veiled to you. This is an easy one. We turn to the first verse of each of these books. We looked at them to see who wrote them according to their own acknowledgement. See, but you could take it in your own time and you can go through the entirety of the content of the letters and discover the amount of times that Paul mentions fellow workers all throughout. As a matter of fact, let, let us take you to the end of the book of Romans. Romans yeah. 16, 22. I'll put it on the screen for you just to show you that even in Romans, it's attributed to Paul. Look at what this verse says. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. What? Paul is attributed with the letter and Tertius is writing and saying, by the way, I wrote it and I want to say everybody, hi, hi, I'm here too. Emoji. Emoji. <laughs> Smiley face, thumbs up, right? If you take the entirety of the last chapter of Romans, you hear how many people that Paul is not only greeting in Rome, but saying, oh yeah, Nick also wants to greet you. Oh, and Pastor, Matt, Pastor Nick and Pastor Matt want to greet you. And Elder Charlie, we want to tell you all the people that are with me here as I'm writing yes. this so that you know that we're all Amen. together. Hey, Paul, man, you're carrying that right, dude. Yeah. Thanks for that example. Hey, you're carrying that right. Y'all want to hear about some other men who carried it right? Yeah. Let's all turn to Zechariah chapter four and say, hey, you're carrying that right as you turn. Hey, you're carrying that right. We will start in verse one. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Now let's skip down to verse 11. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? Verse 12. Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? Now, I'm about to read this in the uh, Matt Piro emphasis here. No, my Lord. My Lord. I no, I don't know what they are. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. So let's break this down from the beginning in verse 1. What begins in verse 1 is the awakening to an awareness of how the lampstand of God's presence and anointing oil that flows from it operate. Zechariah's eyes have to be open and then observe what surrounds the golden lampstand. That being the two olive trees on the right and the left on either side of the bowl of anointing oil. This must have seen or been an intriguing sight. Because Zechariah asked the angel twice. And the second time he asks is with more detail. Just so that the angel knows what he's talking about. The angel's reply, it really does tell it all. 
when the reply is, don't you know what these are? Another way to say that is, don't you know the character of God and the repeated nature by which he displays how he operates? The angel expected him to know that the Lord's anointing flows into teams, not into individuals alone. But get this. The entire reason a man is being anointed for the task is because God is simultaneously anointing another man to join him in that task. It's happening together. You are not individually anointed for your own individual call. You just need to wake up. Get woke. Get woke and open your eyes to the men and women God has put next to you that are being anointed simultaneously along with you. They surround you right now. God's anointing poured out on a team will give that team the strength to carry the tabernacle on their shoulders. It's then that we can say, hey, you're carrying that right. Come on. Ezra chapter 10 shows us another one who had his eyes open to be able to carry the weight correctly. Starting in verse 1, it says, While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping, and throwing himself down before the house of God, man, the weight on his shoulders was so heavy at this point. A large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. Then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you. So take courage and do it, man. So Ezra rose up. And put the leading priests and Levites and all Israel under oath to do what had been suggested. And they took the oath. Hey, there was sin in the camp. There was weeping. There are people on the ground bowed down in prayer. What do we do, oh single supreme leader Ezra? No! No. (laughs) Ezra was weeping, but he wasn't weeping alone. Others joined him. Ezra didn't find the courage alone either. He found the courage that he needed when the others joined him, guys. Ezra didn't carry the weight alone as much as we would like to think that he did. The leading priests and Levites picked up the weight with Ezra. They were able to carry it. They were able to move it forward together. Hey, Ezra, man, you are carrying that right. Compare this to the failures of Solomon that we observed earlier. With all that wisdom, Solomon's heart still eventually turned away from the Lord. But in Ezra's case, all his wisdom had run out. But praise God that he had leading men around him to help him rise back up and continue to carry the weight of the ark along with the rest of them. Amen. Ezra and the leading men around him, they are teaching us, church. Yeah. They're teaching us how to correctly operate in the wisdom God has given us. It's not about the wisdom that you alone have and you alone can give to others. It's about the wisdom that the Lord has placed 
in your collective team of brothers to be able to take care of his work together. I want to encourage you for a moment. Listen up. He's already got your team planned. This is not something that you need to worry about. The rings are pre-placed on the Ark of the Testimony. You don't have to pray and beg and say, Lord, please give me a team. No, he's already ordained the team that you're in. He's already placed the rings there. It's our joy to walk with the Lord together and to make those discoveries together. We get to do it together. How important was it in Ezra's day for the men who were there to get rid of the other attachments and the other concepts of teams that they already had? They who were marrying foreign women, they were married to the wrong kind of team. The men in Ezra's day joined with Ezra. See, Ezra was there, and he didn't even have to beg his team to come and show up. He was a man who began to fall on his face and cry out for something to be restored inside of him. And other men came and were joined because God sent them to Ezra. See, that's the way it was in Zechariah. God anointed the two olive trees. The olive trees weren't trying to declare themselves who they were. (laughs) See, this is what is going on in our day. And by this point in our sermon... As we're getting ready to close, it's abundantly clear that no amount of strength, no amount of wisdom, no amount of zeal can supersede the anointing that flows from operating in God's ordained teams. Amen. Men who operate in teams according to God's design are joining it with the example that's found in the heavens. They're carrying the same kind of power into God's ordained task. And this is what is going to produce victory, not only in our day, but throughout the generations. You want to know how to reach a swan? You want to know how to actually be successful in the kingdom? This is the answer. Come on, let's turn to Revelation chapter 11 together and verse 4. Revelation eleven four, and you're going to see this yet again. It says this, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths. Teamwork, teamwork. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying. And they have power. Somebody say they have power. They They have have power. To turn the waters into blood and to strike through the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want to. See, knowing what you now know. This passage should become even more precious to you. See, even the heavens follow the design that we're talking to you about. Our God is expressed in a plural unity. The throne, if you think about Ezekiel 1, that, that God sits upon, has multiple, four creatures carrying God's very presence with four faces on each one with wheels that intersect so that every direction they go is forward. It's almost like if you start to peel this back, think about the 24 elders that are surrounding the throne. 
See, God is always dealing in teams. He's got teamwork at every level of his entirety of creation. And these men are special because they are standing in the last days and they are representing God on earth. But why did they need two of them? It's because it's God's design. Do you think it's, it's because that either one of these two supernatural witnesses lack power? No. no. They have the power to shut up the sky so that it won't rain while they're prophesying. But you know what? They've learned how to carry it rightly and they're carrying it together. It's not because either one of these two supernatural witnesses lack wisdom. They stand before the Lord of the earth. But they're doing it together so that they carry it according to God's design. It's not because either of these two supernatural witnesses lack any zeal. I mean, for the love of fire is coming out of their mouth. They're not lacking zeal, I promise. But they're doing it together because they've learned how to carry God's presence on the earth. Amen. The anointing of the heavens flows into these two olive trees. These two lampstands because they're operating as a God-ordained team. If you can do plagues as much as you want, whenever you want, if someone opposes you and fire comes from your mouth and destroys them, you would think that that kind of a person could do it all by themselves. And they don't. Because they know God's design. See, we've got to get away from the fact of whether we can accomplish something. The truth is, is you can't. But even if you thought you could, you've got to go back to God's design. And then the anointing flows. And then the power flows. Any true, listen to me, any true lasting success that you're going to find in the word of God, any true and lasting success that you're going to find in your life will always be the result of carrying God's presence, taking care of God's presence, and camping around God's presence by his design, and that with your brothers in team. Operating in teams are how the heavens operate. It's how it must be on the earth. And it's got to be how it is here at LCM. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The truth is, is you can't even have lasting success. You can't even have momentary success. You can't have a fruitful harvest if all you're doing it is by yourself. Right. Church, we are doing this together. We will continue to carry it together. To see this further... Turn with me to John chapter 4. As you're turning, say, carry it together. Carry Carry it it together. together. We will start in verse 35. Do not say, four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Everybody say together. Together. Church, it's time to open your eyes and look at the fields that are ripe for the harvest. The ones that are right before us. The only way we reap the harvest is through God's original design, which has been displayed since the beginning. God has always desired and has thus designed his presence to be carried on the shoulders of men, not on the shoulders of a man. Men who are strengthened through a team to carry his presence is what God is after. 
Men who were filled with wisdom as a team to take care of and minister at his tabernacle are to do that together. Men who are consumed with zeal as a team while they encamp and center their lives around God's desire and design as their only concern is what God is after. Verse 36, so, although it really says it all. Even now, it is time that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Because they are operating in God's original design and in an ordained, anointed, strength-filled, and wisdom-impacted team. Come on, church. Let's stand up together today. I know that you guys can feel not what the Lord might do for his body this morning, but what the Lord is doing for his body this morning. We have one final scripture and it comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That is what we're praying this morning and what we know that God is going to do in our midst in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Collectively, he is strengthening us to do it by his own original design to carry the tabernacle with the brothers that we need to accomplish it with. The tasks are designed by God, and they're designed to be done together. We have been asking, and we know that he will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that is required to take care of the task with the brothers that we need to accomplish it with. We're getting to know him better, church. He is enlightening our eyes this morning. So that we can be equipped with the zeal to encamp around the work of God. To encamp alongside the brothers that we need to accomplish this work. Finally, this morning, we're going to grab a hold of something. Let's grab a hold to the hope to which he has called us. He is going to open up our eyes. He's going to enlighten us to the glorious inheritance that he has for us together. His holy people. Let's pray together. Mighty God, we thank you that you are ordaining teams in this house. Lord, that as we prepare our hearts, Lord, as we cry out to you, Lord, that you will put us, that you will place us in the teams that we need to be in, Lord, that we can have hope that you're not telling us this and then going to keep it from us, but that you are working your great will and your great desire into this house, Lord, that we might reach the nations, Lord, and we'll do it one life, one family, and one nation at a time.